Beer Edge is excited to announce a partnership with Pro Brewer that will bring original articles to probrewer.com twice a week, covering issues important to the beer industry and aimed at helping breweries of all sizes understand different facets of the business. Check out our articles on probrewer.com every Tuesday and Thursday and visit the site daily for other original content and to stay connected with the beer industry. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. It's back up to Rochester, New York we go to talk about the elegance of beer, patience, beerless diversity, and a kick-ass kitchen with Mika Krajinski and Eric Salazar of Strange Bird Brewing. But first, we're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the support of companies that are committed to independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com. And with that in mind, I hope you'll check out Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code CRAFTBEER15 for 15% off of your first order. And we're also brought to you by NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. If you've been listening to this show, as well as Steal This Beer, over the last few weeks, there's been a focus in and around the Rochester, New York area breweries. Rochester is, of course, well known for Genesee beer, but over the last decade, it's emerged as a craft beer destination. Fueled by small breweries who are paying careful attention to recipes, integrating into the local fabric through art and music, and giving chefs a chance to shine in the kitchens. And among the many bright spots of the city's beer scene is Strange Bird. It opened in January 2021 inside a sprawling yet solid building that once held a food co-op, and it immediately impresses with its well-designed taproom, barrel-aging space, and impactful kitchen. Mika Krichinski is a founder and brewer. He's a student of biochemistry and microbiology and a graduate of the Master Brewers program at the University of California at Davis. His career before Rochester had him at Capital City Brewing in Washington, D.C., and then later at Dogfish Head in Delaware, where he spent five years. Eric Salazar is the brewery's director of wood-aged beers. His career started back in the 90s at New Belgium Brewing Company, where, as you'll hear, he learned to work with barrels and to trust and respect microbes. Both of the brewers found their way to Rochester by way of their significant others and are not only putting down family roots in the city, but also long-term plans for the brewery and fostering the local beer scene. They spoke with me from their bar where they were happily popping bottles. And I started off by asking about lessons learned from working at older breweries and the benefits of having nearly full careers before starting something of their own. Here's our conversation. Yes. Looking back on your early careers, what's something that you learned at a very young brewer's age that you feel made an impression on you that you carry through to this day? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, uh, for me, I started in the nineties and it was, it was a very different landscape then, but I still feel like, I mean, coming, coming from new Belgium, especially that this is a very passionate industry and it has yet to change since I've been in it, that people who point themselves in this direction and, 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 want to pursue beer as a career generally aren't thinking career so much as they're thinking passion. And to this day, I've found it that those are the best beers out there. The people who are really leading with their passion. 
And, you know, I, I try to do that with everything that I do uh, in this industry and everything that I, I bring to this place, especially if I'm not passionate about it, it doesn't seem worth doing. So, you know, bring it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, is that something though, that you, that was instilled upon you early on, or is that something that you just came to the realization of yourself? Very much so. And I think, I think uh, that's a, that's a, that's a lesson of, of Peter Buchart, really, who was the brewmaster from uh, 97, 96 uh, through whatever year at, at New Belgium. You know, he, yeah. he came from, he came from uh, uh, Rodenbach and Belgium. And I mean, talk about passion. That yeah. man is just overflowing with passion, especially for beer. So for me, he was, he was a great example. And I was very young. You know, I was, I was 23 when he started at, at New Belgium. So, you know, probably pretty impressionable. I was very passionate about beer then, but I, I didn't, you know, my passion was, was mostly about drinking beer, <laughs> uh, not about making it. But, you know, Peter Buchart really brought that and really uh, uh, he displayed that with everything that he did. And when he started the Wood Barrel program there, that was 100% the first ingredient, Peter Buchart's passion. So, you know, I, I, I took that as I took that as, as something very important and, and ran with it in my career. Because you think back to your early days, what's a lesson that you're still carrying with you today? I, when I think back, I, I just, uh, I'm, I think I'm continually minded, uh, reminded that people are just drawn towards flavor. Uh, and, you know, and as we increasingly become, you know, more knowledgeable uh, as like a beer drinking community, I think um, that, that has only gotten like more sh- stronger. Or like I, 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 I continually believe that you know people are just driven towards flavor, and you know now they're more educated, and people are looking for different flavors in beer, and are uh, a- more able to to tack off flavors. You know, there's really um, uh, there's really a uh, kind of cool just. Um, world that that has opened up by you know our um our community our beer drinking community becoming just more knowledgeable as a whole um and seeking out more flavors and you know as they grow older i think the flavors that people are seeking are more refined and and i think that's led to like a more elegant beer and that's what we're trying to do here i think we're trying to um you know brew beers that are i i guess elegant and elevated. Um, and you know, it's, it's something that I, I think I've, I've been seeking out, uh, since I, since I first started in the industry, um, I'm, I'm, I'm continually drawn towards, you know, the more elegant styles of beer and, um, highly refined, um, beer that just like all the flavors work together. Um, and just seems like that is the beer that the brewer intended you to drink. Um, so, you know, uh, a population that is becoming more educated and, you know, a population that's, uh, as it grows, uh, continually seeks more elegant beer. Uh, and we're just trying to keep up with the, sh- the, the chefs in the kitchen too. Like we have pretty sure. talented people, um, in, in the kitchen. So, um, we, we, we really have no choice. So it, <laughs> we're just trying to keep up, you know. Can, can you go a little bit deeper as to what you mean by elegant? Because I know that can mean a lot to different people. And it, it, there's also, you know, styles that are, I think, probably lend themselves to that word, whereas there's some others that maybe don't. Um, but from, from, from your perspective, though, how do you, I don't know, how do you try to convey elegance in a beer that you produce and put in front of people? I think first and foremost, it's the ingredients um, have to like, have to work together. And at the end of the day, um, make a beer that, you know, just really works. It's not just, you know, throwing in um, the coolest, newest hop into, you know, uh, uh, 
into the recipe or um, using the cheapest grain you can find. Like it really, you have to really uh, seek out like ingredients that work well together. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's a part of what we do here. I think, you know, we're, we're constantly seeking out ingredients that really not a lot of other breweries uh, use. Uh, and it's not like they're hard to get or like, you know, foreign to brewing, uh, but just, you know, kind of mixing it up so that um, at the end of the day, like we're making, um, we're designing a recipe around like a, a product that will be just um, front to back, just like smooth and um, extremely drinkable. Are, are, you, are you holding what this is close to the vest? <laughs> I don't think it's not one thing. Uh, okay. It's, it's, it's everything. Um, it's everything we're adding to the beer. You know, I'm not just throwing in two awesome or three, like, you know, of the newest, coolest hops or like, you know, uh, whatever fruit we have on hand. It's just like, you know, we're, we're, we're relying on, you know, our experience in brewing um, to add ingredients that we know work well together and uh, from purveyors or um, suppliers that, you know, uh, you know, just produce the, the finest ingredients, you know. So, I think so, more, more, yeah. uh, ahead, first and foremost, it, rarely am I choosing an ingredient that is the cheapest ingredient um, available. <laughs> Usually it's far from the cheapest ingredient available. And, I, you know, I think really that, that that is, you know, solely responsible for making great beer. You don't have to use the most expensive ingredient, but, you know, it you shouldn't be limited by or I don't know if uh, I, I would not want to be limited by the price of an ingredient, um, you know, to uh, make 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 a beer, you know, I. Uh, I kind of choose the ingredient because of the particular ingredient. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, um, uh, uh, I want it to perform, um, predictably in, in the beer. So, so what, what, what are some examples of some of these ingredients then that you, that you've used or that you want to use? Um, well, let's, I mean, we, when we make Belgian beer, our ingredients come from Belgium. Um, it's, it seems like simple, but it's not, I don't know if it's, it's always, um, I, you know, it's, I think it's what separates our Belgian beers from other, from, from maybe from other, other breweries. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not really using one yeast. We like to mix yeast a lot to give us, you know, um, complexity. Um, and I, I think we, we do rely, we don't rely, we rely on like old school hops a lot times we're not really we, we use some of the newer uh varietals but we we like to use the older hops um uh uh you know traditional hops that you would use for you know your belgian beers um eric might say we add too much hops to the beers <laughs> uh, would, would you say that eric <laughs> it depends, it depends. <laughs> It depends on on what the intention of that beer is, but you know, for for our sour beers, it's keeping the IBUs down, of course. Um, it's what what's a com what's a comfortable IBU that you want to hit in the what that what what what's a what's a what is the IBU number that makes your eyes start to twitch? Well, if I'm talking if I'm talking about something that I want to acidify in a barrel, of course, with lactobacillus. Yeah, caucus, whatnot. We want to we want to stay below ten IBUs. Now that's not to say that we won't add uh, we won't dry hop something later to add some complexity, some hop aromas and whatnot. But in order for things to perform in the barrel, we generally like to target below ten. Yeah. So. You know, I think, you know, um, elegant beer is, you know, I think in, in my mind is defined by, you know, the ingredients you use uh, to make it. To round that out. When, when we talk about like, when you talk about that though, how is it everything, it's everything working in harmony. It's everything that sort of, you, you can taste the different components, but there's a seamlessness around it. Is, is, is that sort of what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, I think that's good. That's good. And, you know, I think uh, we, and, you know, your, your, uh, 
the nature of the beer, you know, at the end of, you know, once you're finished uh, with one beer, you know, just desiring another beer of the same variety, I think, you know, that's kind of what I'm driving towards. That's a, that's my dream. You know, the people order the same beer uh, two in a row. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Ideally of the Belgian variety when they come here. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's the dream. And, you know, that's uh, what a compliment, you know, if somebody orders the same beer twice, you know, yeah. I mean, and that's always been, I think that's maybe more difficult these days than, than maybe it was in the past because of, I don't know, the ticking nature or uh, you know, people having FOMO where they want to try as many different things as possible, um, as opposed to maybe going back and revisiting something two glasses in, in a row. Um it, does does that factor in to, to to what you're just saying? Like, is it is it a, a better compliment if somebody is having a second pint as opposed to just saying, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Well, here uh, in, here at this brewery, we have 24 taps, uh, and everything's listed out behind the bar there. So if they go yeah. back to the same one twice, <laughs> that is a compliment because yeah. they have so much to choose from here. And, you know, everything's pretty well laid out. We have things in categories, too. So they could move on to the next one. But, yeah, if they're ordering the same thing twice, I would say we did something right with that. Too. Is, is there I mean, obviously, you're choosing to have that 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 many taps on. Um, how do you strike the balance with that many beers? You know, because I've been to some breweries where, you know, they'll have a dozen beers on tap, but they're all the same version of a, of a hazy IPA. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's some where, where it's all over the place. When you're thinking about having your beers on to fill those taps, yeah. what, what, what sort of breakdown do you guys want? I'll, I'll tell you this. We haven't made it easy on ourselves. <laughs> That's for damn <laughs> Uh, we, we have, <laughs> it sounds like you guys have, have talked about this in loud tones oh. to each other. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we, we have a, we have a, uh, we, we have a core Saison that we do. And so, I mean, it, it kind of, if I, if I'm going to back up a little bit here about, about our philosophy, which is really rooted in tradition and traditional beers. So we have one foot in the traditional beers, and then we have the other foot in, you know, whatever crazy thing we want to add to those traditional beers or however we want to tweak those traditional beers. So when we start thinking about a beer, we're we're really thinking about maybe a, a, a base style, something that's well-known, something that maybe somebody's going to come into and, and recognize, but then they're going to see that there's a little, a little twist to it, you know, um, something that something that maybe they hadn't heard of. And uh, that's that's where I think the fun is because you know we're 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 fairly traditional-minded brewers where we you know we know a lot about those old styles we know a lot about the styles that we came up with uh, as we were becoming professionals and so we like those styles we like to stay in those styles we're not we're not afraid of breaking out of those which we do now and again but i would say when we're when we're really thinking about a beer we're we're starting with something traditional and then we're getting a little bit crazy from there yeah does that that track eric oh that was eric that was i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm on with you guys yeah yeah sure yeah absolutely and i would say if uh, step one into um, diversifying your draft list is to stop brewing the same style over and over again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you offer people as uh, a wide variety of beers, you know, I, you know, it's an, it's an option. If it's not an option, then they're not going to drink it, you know? So, um, you know, we, I'm looking at the draft list right now. We have yeah. one, two, three, four, five saisons on right now, a table beer. God bless you uh, guys. Fruited Abbey and a Belgian stout. We have two IPAs, two, one, two IPAs. I think we have another one coming this week. Are, so we'll are, are those clear or can I see through them? One of them is we are not uh, ready to filter yet, although I do want to. Um, we are not, we're not at a place where we can filter uh, at this time. So uh, they all, they're, none of them are filtered. Um, one of them is of the, hazy variety uh, yeah. so 
Um, yeah, I, you know, we have a, I think we have like 18 or 19 different styles or no, 16 different styles right now. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, it's, it's provide options, give people options, give people the choice to make a decision. You know, they got to drink something else when they yeah. come back later. If you've already, <laughs> if you've already had the IPA and the other IPA, you know, try a saison. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like that also keeps the two of you stimulated, like creatively to, yeah. to, to know that you have that much coming as opposed to maybe saying, okay, you know, how do we, maybe change the hopping dose, you know, for this hazy, uh, slightly for the next time around. Like it, it, it sounds like you guys are doing the mental exercises necessary to, to stay engaged. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's a little intimidating actually to begin How with, so? you know, knowing that we have, we have all these tasks to fill and Mika and I both are of the same mind that we, we don't want that situation we don't want people to come in here and have the same beer three times with a different name we don't want that at all so you know that's that's the first the first step is kind of saying to yourself oh shit we've got to we've got to put something new on and the second step is you know let's make something new yeah. sounds like a great idea let's go for it i i'm not i'm not musically inclined not a musician musician but i feel like this is how yeah, this is this is Eric and I jamming. We jam. We jam and okay. make beers, yeah. you know. Uh I think uh, you know, we, I just get a lot out of just, you know, just talking about beer with Eric and and Nikki. Uh who Nikki is our uh our third brewer here. Um it's Nikki, Eric, and I who uh make everything, but realistically, Nick, Nikki makes most most of what you drink when you come to Strange Bird. Uh, and, you know, when we get together in a room and, you know, conceptualize a, a new beer, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's fulfilling. It's like a fulfilling the same way I imagine, you know, a musician gets when they, when they are uh, making music. Right. Um, hearing corks pop and, liquid pouring into a glass uh and realizing that i'm not sitting at your brewery uh with you guys is making me very very sad well, uh, i just I'm, want i just I, I just want to point that out <laughs> i'm i'm sorry too i wish you were here I wish it's you were here. Uh, next time um the and i do hope to get back actually um uh i had a good time when i was up in rochester a couple weeks ago and uh, not just visiting your place but all of the the, the other breweries that i visited it's it's a really vibrant beer scene that I wasn't fully expecting. Hundred percent. Right. Is, yeah. We, we're so lucky. We are really. very lucky. And I think you know, I first visited this town twelve years ago, and I I felt like there were a few things happening. There were some sparks here and there, but as I returned, my wife is from here, and before we moved here, we would come here to visit quite a bit. And over those years, over the twelve years, I could slowly see it start to build. You know, rock brewing and. Uh, fifth frame and all these all these breweries and and then of course other half uh, decided to come here so it, it became more and more vibrant as time went on and I feel like for us to be here at this point in time in the development of this of this uh, uh, I don't know what community. society community yeah of, of of brewers it just it feels good it feels very I mean there's a lot to draw from there's a lot of people sharing ideas um made some great friends oh god yeah, the best man. of people yeah the best of people make beer in rochester yeah it's been, it's been a really good time yeah. I, I i was asking folks though when i was hanging out and 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 talking a little bit of there is the shadow of genesee and it's very much a you know cream ale town or you know yeah. red eye town or um whatever um does that because there is such a focus on that large brewery has that given smaller breweries a little bit of cover to forge their own path I, like because you're not going to be them so yeah. it's not even trying to you know compete it's yeah has there been cover there you know that it's been for us and i and i will say this the Genesee Brewing is is really supportive of the smaller brewers in this town in many ways. If it's not just um, the people who work there, 
getting to know all the people out here in the smaller breweries, but it's also help with things that we need that their larger brewery can provide. They've had no problem helping us out with a lot of issues and a lot of, a lot of dots that needed to be connected. So we very much are still connected with that brewery. Um, even if it is the big guy looming over us, it's still a part of this community and it's still, we're still very much integrated uh, with that place as part of the brewing scene here in Rochester. I, you know, we, we drink a lot of cream ale here. Um, <laughs> even brewers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think if you go over to Rock Brewery, yeah. they had some cream ale actually on draft yeah. not too long ago for right. Jenny. And, and no, yeah. And, and, yeah, I saw that when I visited. Yeah, we went to that. We went to Rock after we were at your place and I noticed that they had it on tap and I was. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's something that's, looming i think it's something we celebrate as brewers from rochester is that you know we're from this beer town it is undeniable that rochester is a beer town this is a beer drinking town um and it's because of genesee you know uh and they've they've paved the way for a lot of us um who came came after them um long after them <laughs> uh and i i would say that 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 road continues on you know i think rock opened up a long time ago three heads opened up a long time ago they all they've been paving the way for us to come uh to to come open you know swiftwater, swiftwater. Uh, roarbox roarbox is like yeah. the, you know you say this is this is a cream ale town but if you spend lo a longer time in rochester and in the right places you'll you'll soon realize that it's a cream ale and scotch ale town because yeah. of because Roar of Roarbox, yeah. you know yeah. um and all of these breweries have, have been helpful towards us uh when we open you know we have i don't we have equipment from all of these breweries right now right. In, our, in our brewery <laughs> <laughs> uh who've just so been just gracious uh uh and hospitable and um welcoming to us I, this 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 place has really been i feel like the camaraderie here is above and beyond and i you know it's that, that can be true in general about the brewing industry compared to most industries you know the camaraderie and the collaborative attitudes in the brewing industry is 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 way I mean, it's much more intense than any other industry. I don't care what you're talking about. Nobody shares ideas like we share ideas with each other. Right. Um, but in this town, I, I have to say that that's even it's even heightened a bit. These these people take care of these people, and it's really been it's been really nice just to have just to know that like there's people who have your back, um, and the shit hits the fan sometimes, of course, and you have to you have to call up your friends, and they know that they can rely on us. Yeah. for the same thing yeah going back to what you were talking about though about the collaborative nature and sort of jamming together um with with the three of you when you're when somebody conceives of an idea or comes across an ingredient or gets hit with just a vague spark of inspiration um are you all chatting it out to try to bring it to the final result are there things that each of you bring with your own strong suits that ultimately benefit the beer as the final product. Absolutely. I, none of us, none of us, uh, uh, none of us make any decisions or create anything in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's worthwhile. Cause you, you know, even if you do think you know it all, you don't actually know it all. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but when you're working with, with two other people who are just, of, just as creative in their own ways, who have different experiences, who have different skill sets and, uh, you know, different knowledge that your beer is only going to be that much better for getting the help and the input from them. So, yeah, we, we haven't really, we haven't created anything. I think in the early days, Mika had some really great ideas that have evolved a bit with the addition of myself and Nikki. Uh, but for the most part, I can't even see anything on our board that isn't, a full collaborative uh, effort, right? Especially when you have Nikki brewing it, she yeah. is just a detail-oriented, yeah. brilliant person. Right. And that's, when you're talking about Cezanne's or mixed firm or, or, or barrel-aged, detail-oriented doesn't always come into a lot of the conversations that I have, but it, it does strike me as critically important. 
think I think this I think it I think it is critically important and it is I don't know <laughs> I think this is uh I it, the amount of discussion it gets is probably proportional to the size of the brewery okay. <laughs> that, that you're um, working at. Yeah. With. Uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, uh, unfortunately there's not enough, uh, there may not be enough um, uh, time for, you know, limited staff to, you know, fully map out um, beers on, you know, from grain to glass on, on a, at a smaller brewery, whereas, you know, there may be those resources at a, as a, at a larger brewery, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we, uh, you know, and it's also driven by the people, you know, and we're lucky yeah. that we have a uh, detail oriented staff here at change yeah. Earlier, you guys mentioned, uh, trying to keep up with the kitchen and the, the food that was coming out of the kitchen was there that night was amazing. And, um, you know, it was one of the, the, the eating highlights that I had when I, when I was up in town. Um, when you say you're trying to keep up with the, with, with the kitchen though, go deeper. What does that mean? Well, I think you, once we, once, you know, our chefs, I mean, they're, they're brilliant. <laughs> you say, you say, you, you, you uh -oh. mentioned Genesee. Yeah. This is a Jenny town and we, we know that, but this is, this is also a Wegmans town. Yeah. Are, you, are you familiar with Wegmans? Oh, I'm familiar. Yeah, we have okay. one near, nearby where I am as well. It's uh, okay. it's it's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's an experience. Yeah. Yeah, Wegmans. Uh, it's it's a grocery store for for people not from who don't know East yeah. or Mid Atlantic. Um, and I would say it's an understatement to call it a grocery store. Um, it's more of an experience where okay. you can also buy food. Okay. Um, and you know, a large majority of the people that are in the kitchen um, came up in the Wegmans world. Um, and I was also, wondering how you were going to tie this together. <laughs> so thank you. I was like, they have a, just an extraordinary training program, you know, and they've trained a lot of the people in this town um, who, you know, who work in restaurants. There's a, there's a very nice restaurant called Next Door that's run by Wegmans here in town, where a lot of these people come from, and it's a top-notch restaurant. We're really happy to have them. I, I think, you know, as far as like keeping up with them, we do draw inspiration from the creations that come out of the kitchen. Um, you know, in a lot of places, it's the, the chef who's trying to pair things with the beer, but we're always thinking about what they're going to come up with. Yeah. What Nate's going to come up with next, you know, and how what we do is going to connect with that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's been pretty interesting uh, to kind of think along those terms. In the same realm, we've been coming up with beer names just to see what our artist who does our beer labels does. <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. See what he does with this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I lean on the kitchen a lot. Um, you know, they're just, you know, there's such professionals, uh, and they, most of them come from fine dining and you'll, you'll, you'll notice that the food is elevated when, when you come to strange bird and, you know, I lean on them for, you know, their, um, knowledge of flavor and, you know, uh, compatible flavors. And we, you know, jam with the chefs on like, you know, what flavors should we, um, uh, uh, you know, on new beers, you know, they, they've had great ideas in the past on, you know, what, you know, stereo sound is our fruited goes, what, what, what ingredients to use for that. And, you know, we have a one coming up next month, uh, strawberry agave that we're, we're jamming with them on. Um, so, you know, we, we lean, we, you know, we lean on them, we jam with them. Um, it's just, uh, it's really nice. It's really nice. We got a really good group over here. Going back to the nineties, right. Where beer and food, you know, at brewery food meant something different. It would probably be a, you know, shepherd's pie or a burger, or, you know, there was, there was very much pub food. Um, the food has, I think the food programs at breweries has uh, advanced with that elegance that you were talking about earlier as well. 
right? Yeah. You guys, yeah. I think, I think this whole thing, beer, food, everything like the local food movement has kind of like propelled food and like made people more conscious of what they're eating, what they're drinking. And we've all like, we've all benefited from it. We've all become more knowledgeable in the end. We're all more conscious of what we eat. We're all more conscious of uh, what we drink, not necessarily whether it's healthy or not, but like the flavors that we're, that we're experiencing. Uh, and I think a lot of this all all came um, about during, you know, the 90s and aughts, you know, when, you know, we all kind of like started, uh, you know, uh, farmers markets started popping up in, in the neighborhoods and we all just like started figuring out what we liked, you know. Um, I noticed and I this was one of my regrets of, of, of visiting that I didn't have a chance to to try a proper one but uh you all don't have a garbage plate on your menu yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't no. uh, there there's one just down the block here though yeah if we need one yeah if you need one it's close <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, does that it, not fit in does that not um, fit in with your overall plan i don't think garbage plates fit in within our normal operating hours yeah. <laughs> <laughs> garbage plate is after hours yeah that's uh, that's something that could be should be consumed. 2 a.m yeah it's generally a yeah that's right hour. that's right <laughs> uh for, for for those unfamiliar uh can i get a quick rockchester history of what goes into a garbage plate uh what doesn't go into a garbage plate <laughs> i think it's you, know, the you gotta name. start with a base of yeah. uh, some sort of mac and cheese or <laughs> it's like a, uh, yeah or some sort of like just base, you know, and then a French fries could be the base, like, and then on top of it, you throw uh chili or, yeah. you know, sauce and, yeah. you know, and then like uh, out of nowhere, sauce, yeah. yeah, a meat sauce and out of nowhere, like a hamburger patty shows up, uh, maybe <laughs> two hot dogs and you're like, God, and you put it in, you know, so it's a lot, yeah. you know, I'm not above eating one. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see. I would love to see what your kitchen could do with that concept, though. Uh, yeah, we could suggest it to Chef Nate, but I'm not sure. I think yeah. Chef, Chef try to get him in a good mood well first. Aware that garbage plates exist, yeah. and you know he, it is well within his capabilities to make one. Yes, thus far chosen not to. <laughs> Noted. We're going to have more in just a moment, but first, thanks to these companies who support Drink Beer, Think Beer, and help keep it on the air. Stump Stickers is a reliable resource for printed items, such as beer labels and boxes, keg collars, coasters, and more. Visit stompstickers.com and use code craftbeer15 for 15% off of your first order. And we're also brought to you by NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years to produce some of the world's finest hops. NZ Hops are like no others, unique in their flavors and aromas. Visit nzhops.co.nz to explore more. And now back to the conversation. You're talking before about equipment and uh, that a lot of what's in the brew house you know, came from area breweries. Um, but also, uh, Mika, we had a brief conversation about some of the fermenters that you had uh, over in that corner by the barrel space um, that was from your first brewing job. Oh, right? yeah. That's actually all the equipment in this building. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, large scale Save for yeah. like a couple pumps yeah. and um, okay. in a water tank. Came from Capital City Brewing Company in um, the D.C. area. That was my first job in brewing. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, kept a relationship with the owner, uh, and, you know, was made aware that they no longer needed them. And I put an offer in and, you know, next thing I knew we were unloading, um, all the equipment in February in an ice storm. Uh, and you know, uh, now we're, now we're using it. I think it makes really good beer still does. You know, uh, I remember my first recipe that I brewed. Uh, uh, built and brewed on this equipment was the harvest ale. So I've always been partial to harvest ales. Um, and, you know, if, if I could describe the, the brew house is a two, well, the, the one we purchased from Capital City was a two vessel brew house. It was a mash lauder and uh, kettle whirlpool. And we've added a mash mixer. So we now have a mash mixer, uh, lauder, and kettle whirlpool. And um, and uh, we have four fermenters. This is all 15 barrel, four fermenters. Yeah. 
And uh, we have five serving vessels. So five of the um, serving vessels are connected to the, our, the tap tower. Uh, and then we have two, uh, two tanks and Eric in the, in the wood room, in the wood cellar, uh, one uh, fermenter and one uh, bright tank. Is there, I mean, it, you hear, you, I, I've been to a lot of breweries, as I'm sure you guys have, where, you know, there's, there's new shiny out of the box uh, uh, brew houses, brewing equipment. I'm sure you guys have worked on, on, on that stuff in, in, in the past. Um, make the case for equipment like, you have I, I was gonna i was gonna say used but that's yeah. I, that, that that sort of sound you know pre-owned i guess is the bmw way of saying it but um you know something that has some miles on it yeah. um has developed character there's got to be a benefit right well i well i mean the first benefit is the cost it's far okay. less expensive to buy yeah. new equipment than new equipment and you know it's like you know you're using reusing you know reusing equipment instead of you know buying new equipment i i think yeah. there's a lot of benefits and stainless steel thankfully is a uh these tanks you know all the, all the interiors are stainless steel uh thankfully is a really easy surface to clean so yeah. you know it, it's old they're old tanks and they've been you know kept reasonably well uh, and stainless steel is also pretty durable. So if they weren't kept reasonably well, we could probably, um, uh, we, I mean, depending on the tank, we could probably make them, um, new again. And that's, you know, that's what we did, uh, with these tanks, you know, it's stainless, it's, but you know, it's because they're stainless steel that we could re uh, buy used equipment, you know, stainless steel is really easy to clean. Um, yeah. But I guess I, more than just like, you know, the cost and like the functionality of it, is there. Is there a sense of romanticism? Is there a sense of history oh, or anything yeah. that can go into the, yeah. Yeah, this is the, the first equipment I, you know, really worked on. I and was gonna say the, the advantage of this equipment is that it came into this room and Mika had already <laughs> produced hundreds of beers on it already, right? It was it was already something that he was intimate with and, you know, he, he, he knew it inside and out. Yeah. He knows this, he knows yeah. this equipment like the back of his hand. Yeah. And that was really like, I, I could tell, you know, I had to, I, when I, when I came in here, I had to uh, catch up on, on brewing, but I had to catch up on brewing on this equipment. And luckily Mika knew every little detail. There were many surprises. You yeah. Know? It's so, a, it's a, it's a, it's a manual brewery. Like yeah. every valve, you turn every valve, uh, you turn every pump on and off. Uh, uh, but you know, I, I know it really well. Uh, and I've, you know, I, I knew it made good beer, you know, uh, and it, it had reasonably good efficiencies. So, uh, you know, it, it was like a no brainer for me to get it, you know, and it, you know, it's really nice to ha own something you once worked on, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's an old friend that I own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Well, from stainless to wood then, um, cause Eric, you're no stranger to working around wooden barrels. Um, when, when you're thinking about, or when you were thinking about what you wanted the barrel program to be, um, I imagine you one had, you know, pretty good sources for, uh, getting wood that you wanted. Um, but what did you want the program to be? Like, what did you learn along the way that, you know, would suit your strengths? Well, and this was this was something again. If we if we're talking about where I come from and how I learned what I learned, it's you know Peter Buchart really is a big inspiration to me. And one thing that he brought to New Belgium when he started was this kind of just wandering exploration and discovery. And I really felt like. There was a lot to be said for that. Okay, so he's coming in with a base of knowledge, though. He's coming in with, with knowledge from his own career in Belgium, but, of course, all the Belgians that came before him that he's soaked up. And um, I saw him essentially put a few things together that, that were known, put a few things together that, you know, were kind of pointing us in the right direction. And then we let it develop, and we tasted, we tasted barrels. And we decided which barrels we liked and didn't like it for what reasons. And then we blended the ones that we liked. And then we let those go for a while. And we tasted those barrels and saw which ones we liked and why and where they were going. And then, you know, the, the direction was very general in the beginning. 
and narrowed down as the years went by, but based on how each barrel developed and how we blended those barrels. So really for me in this situation, uh, it, it just was, in my mind, it was a beautiful thing to be able to start from zero again and point in a, in a, in a direction and then let things develop on their own. And we've had a few cases where, you know, it, it was a surprise how well our dark Saison Salas um, uh, uh, displayed these Brett characters as well as the multi characters from this dark Saison brew that we had brewed. Uh, Mika and I had brewed at the beginning of 2020 um, before the pandemic shut us down. <laughs> yeah. um, and so these, these, these characters, this character of this beer just developed in a barrel uh, almost unchecked. We had a chance to really taste it a few times over that summer, but we had no, if, if, if it was ready and it really was ready, uh, midsummer was tasting really good. We had no way of, of dealing with it, of getting it out of the barrel, of, of blending it, uh, of doing anything because, you know, construction was halted. We were shut down. There really wasn't a brewery yet. Sorry, there's a phone. No, it's all right. You guys are in a barn. It's a business. Yeah. <laughs> let it I mean, this hasn't been a call in show before, but I mean, we can try. Yeah. Uh, who's on who's on line one right exactly they're uh, calling about your extended car warranty spoiler exactly. alert exactly um, oh hey sam <laughs> calgione is that sam i'm just kidding okay no. <laughs> uh yeah. uh yeah so i can guarantee you that he doesn't want to be on this show again <laughs> <laughs> i actually had him on uh right before the pandemic him and rudy from rodenbach so we're just we're just doing all of the the old school Belgian oh, name dropping here. Yeah. Listen to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was really nice. And then, okay. So anyway, we had these barrels and they, uh, they were developing nicely, but we had no way of dealing with them. So when we finally got everything up and running and we had the equipment and we had the equipment that we needed and we had construction to a point that we were actually able to uh, produce beer and and uh, put beer into tanks. Uh, we blended that we blended that barrel beer in with some new dark Saison that we had brewed fresh and the flavor profiles with the new Saison were just beautiful. So it was a this beer became, you know, just by simply doing a process and then tasting it. Oh, nice. Good uh, Lord, you guys. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we got a few beers here. Uh, we, uh, Clearly. Uh, this, this, this beer became its own entity. It, it was something that wasn't planned. What I was going to do is I was going to put it back into the barrels to let the, let the bugs and the wild yeast become part of a new beer. And when we put it in the tank and blended it together, just the flavor profiles of the, of the young and the old really popped. And we ended up actually bottling uh, half of that beer in there and putting the other half back into barrels. So, I mean, that's, that's why I say like the, the, the excitement for me is this prospect of new discoveries. Sorry, that was my computer. Is the prospect of new, new discoveries. And I am, you know, I, I just, I love the whole idea of, of using my knowledge, using uh, um, all the things that I've learned over time and then adding in these two characters, Nikki and Mika, uh, to that equation and, and seeing what we come up with and just seeing where these things go. Um, it's exciting. It's discovery. That's, that's one of the things that I've always really loved hearing about when it comes to barrel-aged beers of just hearing from brewers about the patience that it takes to see where something is going to go. Yeah. And that's, that's always been my number one lesson was patience. You, you have to be able to not only want to taste your beer every two days, which, you know, you do, <laughs> you do, you want to, it. but it's hard to, it's hard to just let it go for a while and say, okay, I'll taste that next month. Um, it's not doing that well right now, but if I let this go another month, We'll see what happens, you know? So it, it, it gets a little scary sometimes because things don't always feel like they're developing in the direction you want them to. But the truth is that it's a process and it goes in directions that don't seem like 
you want those flavor profiles in your beer, but then that goes away, becomes something else, develops into something, something better. And lo and behold, after a year, year and a half, you have something that you really enjoy. Maybe intended, hopefully, or something you didn't intend that turned out really well. As you guys think about the future, um, it, it, from my visit, it seems like everything is working out well. The, the, the kitchen's great. The beers are great. The space is cool. Um, but in talking to you guys now, it sounds like you are always striving for the next version of better or, you know, I, I hesitate to use the word perfect, but, um, you know, you're always looking to be better is, is, is what I'm taking away from this conversation so far. So if, if things from my outsider perspective uh, seem to be pretty good for you guys, um, and I hope I'm right, wh- where do you go from here? Where do you want to go from here? Oh, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, you know, we come from larger breweries and, you know, the inclination is to, you know, produce more every year. And that's, that's, you know, that's what we, we, we would like to do. We would like to grow, um, strange bird and become bigger than it is now. Uh, we were just so fortunate to, uh, inherit a, uh, a warehouse, um, connected to our, our restaurant, uh, brewery. Um, and you know, it's for, and is a, just a perfect place for us to grow. Uh, you know, I think, you know, in the, in the near term, I want to be able to, um, you know, bottle, bottle more beer and, um, filter beer. Uh, but you know, in the long term, I want, I want to grow this thing. I want to, I want to be out in other communities and, you know, share, uh, the beer with, you know, other places. Outside Rochester. I think, I think really this place and, and a lot of the feedback we've gotten, um, people tend to agree that it's, it's an experience. This, this place is, it's a beautiful building. Uh, the work that went into designing it is, it's very, I mean, it, it's extensive. We had, um, we had an interior designer, uh, architect, and then of course, uh, Jeff, who, who runs the, the restaurant side and one of our partners and founder, he really is, uh, he's aesthetically minded. Um, he knows how to, how to run a business to make sure that the customer is having a good time and is never confused. And, you know, is always part of the, part of the experience, you know, it's not just us serving somebody a meal or beers, it's all of us in a room experiencing this together. And I think, that's something I'd like to see grow a bit. You know, we have, we have plans for a rooftop uh, patio. Um, of course, we'd like to expand outside. We, I'd like to bring people more into the experience and, and, and make them a part of what's happening. You know, now you can, you can reserve the barrel room. There's a table in there. You can reserve the barrel room for special parties, which for me is, you know, I gotta, I gotta make sure everything's cleaned up, but it really is a nice place, um, to be. It's a really, it's a private room. It's filled with wood. It's a nice place to have a private party. And that's, that's really part of like experiencing this place. It's not just the food. It's not just the beer, but it's a full on experience. When you guys are talking about growing though, I mean, you're not harboring aspiration or maybe you are of new Belgium size or dogfish head size or anything like that. Well, I think realistically the days of breweries growing that large are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, are, are it, it's going to be hard to match. Yeah. Right. But you know, it's not, but that's not saying that we can't grow, you know, I think there's room for us to expand and uh, grow our uh, volume so that we can distribute elsewhere. I, I think for, for me and maybe for me, it's a matter of, you know, having the ability to produce what we want to produce and growing our process a bit will give us some leeway to, to break into other styles, break into larger batches of, of, of different things. I, I think, you know, it's just Invest, I, investing into quality control. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah and all, you know all those things that come with that for me, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to have fooders and, you know, larger 
larger vessels and even just more barrels to blend, which makes a more complex beer in the end. I mean, that's all part of it. So, you know, growing is, is a part of becoming better. And places like New Belgium and, and Dogfish Head, that was a part of what their mentality was too. Those two places, I think, are great examples of breweries that grew and grew and became larger in what they were without losing their soul or losing their, their vision of what they want to be and, you know, who they are and what, what their customer experience is. So, I mean, there's, those are actually two really good examples. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, you know, just elevating, uh, quality, you know, just, you know, the quality of the beer is the most important thing. Uh, and if that, if that's, if that's that's true, then I think, you know, (laughs) uh you know it'd be all right yeah um and and i guess that's that's sort of what i was getting out of like growing but staying true to the vision that you have and the aesthetic that you have and the you know the general feeling that you want to put out there there's sometimes you know the larger you get the more corporate things can feel but if you're going into it wide open and with an understanding then you know you can still be the same brewery just bigger with yeah better quality and better yeah better guardrails i guess yeah so you know i mean this is this is very much a uh and i'll go i'll get back to this subject again it's very much a a a passion project right it's a it's a thing that we do because we love it um you know if we can make money on the way that'd be great but right now for us it's just really nice to be able to express ourselves in the way that we want to um and to create create and and the outcome of our uh a creative nature is is this beautiful beer that we're getting a lot of really positive feedback yeah. about i mean we like it i know yeah we knew we liked yeah. it um yeah and it's really nice, you know, to see people come in and enjoy, you know, Belgian beers and not, you know, necessarily, you know, have, you know, just like drink only IPAs. You know, it's it's really nice to see people just like, you know, venture out, you know. To, to sort of bring it back to the beginning then, um, when you're talking about this being a, um, you know, a passion. Um, and not necessarily, you know, people thinking about it as a passion and not necessarily a career. Um, has the industry evolved when you're talking about creating now and you're, you're talking about growth and um, breweries talk about longevity now? Can passionate careers exist? Can you, can you do it for, can you do it in, bo- in, in both tracks? I was going to say, like, when you were talking about growth, like, our limiting factor is that this is that we are brewer owned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know, yeah. you know, um, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I still think that if you, if you're, if you're putting quality at the forefront, if you're just upholding quality as the most important factor in what you're doing, you know, uh, give me a right, you know, you got, you got, you got, you gotta be taking in more money than you're, than you're, um, uh, using to make the beer, but you know, if you're if, if everything's good, if it tastes good, then I think it'd be all right. Um, yeah, yeah, I, so I agree, you know, and it's it's uh, in the brewing industry, if you're thinking about like long term, it's it's really kind of it's been cyclical, right? There, there were small breweries in the 90s that started out, a lot of passion there. Then there were your kind of investor breweries that saw the passionate people making money. Um, then the bottom fell out by the end of the nineties, the places that didn't make or weren't successful were the places that were kind of making shitty beer, but that's because the rest of the brewing industry, the passionate ones were really setting the standard there. And you saw those, those breweries progress and, and, and move forward and become big breweries like New Belgium. Mm -hmm. And then, um, as time went on, uh, maybe some people left those bigger breweries and started smaller breweries, but we, we also were setting an example of what a person can do with their passion. And this thing that may have been called a hobby is now something that you can make a living with 
And let's face it, if you're doing something with that you love, as the saying goes, is it really work? You know, it's, yeah. it's, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's kind of come come back and it might have come back to that several times where a bunch of scrappy little passionate brewers started a little revolution in, in their town that was otherwise devoid of, of craft brewing or of passionate brewing anyway. And um, I, I hope I hope it continues to happen if we can inspire anyone along the way in the future to do the same and create diversity in our market, create yeah. diversity in the brewing industry in general, have new ideas, bring new ideas to the table that, you know, we all draw from, then we're richer for it. Right. And it's a much better uh, industry and healthier for everybody who yeah. wants to be part of it. I, think I like that. You guys are already thinking about the next generation. Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> I've been no, sorry, God. generation, you know, I may be three generations ahead now, but I, you know, I was 22. Little, once. little baby brewers. <laughs> little baby brewers. It's oh, a lot of beers ago. Um, I've been asking folks on the show. Uh, I've been doing the premise, setting it up, saying uh, last summer, my wife and I were rewatching The Good Place. And uh, there's this whole concept on the show, if you're not familiar with it, of being able to walk through a green door. Yeah. And the green door will take you anywhere you want at any point in time um, with whoever you want to be with. And so if such a thing existed on this plane of existence and this conversation ended and you guys got up from the bar that you're at with your delicious beers and could walk through a green door and be in any pub or any brewery. Um, where would you go? Who'd you be with? And what would you want to drink? And Eric, how about I start with you? Okay. Sounds good. Um, there was, there was a moment in time and I was on my honeymoon and we went to Spain for our honeymoon and we popped over to Belgium, uh, Bruges, um, I think the name of the bar is the Rose. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. Anyway, a little a little beer bar, and they had um, they had a, a a flight years. I think maybe it was four or five uh, examples of uh, why can't I think of it now? Just, oh, of Orval. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I I was sitting there with my wife. And that's, she liked Orval because, you know, and she's, she's really kind of a wine drinker, but she liked Orval because I like Orval. But when she sat there and tasted the different age, the different aged Orvals that have all been in this, in their cellar at this one place, she, she lit up. And for me, that was like, I mean, I, I felt like I was opening somebody's eyes to something that I was passionate about and it was my wife. And if I could go back to that moment, I would any day of the week, anytime. I, would go <laughs> I love that. Nico, what about you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, Do you want to be with Eric uh, on his honeymoon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, weird, but sure. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm weird. Whatever. <laughs> you do you. Uh, no, but uh, I just, I remember, you know, so many times, so many times I just thought like, this is, this is the best moment. Um, this is the best moment. I'd rather, I wouldn't rather being anywhere else at this point in time. Uh, but if we like narrow that down into beer, uh, beer stuff, it would for sure be on the patio in Chico drinking pale ale with my UC Davis class, 2012 UC Davis. Um, and uh just uh, just enjoying uh, the beer, the fresh beer, and, and the people, the conversations. Um, that that moment in time is just you know is indelible um, in my mind. Um, yeah, I love it's it. Yeah, great, great brewery. Well, I'm going to encourage everybody if they're in the greater Rochester area to go and clear their afternoon and evening and just hang out at your bar and eat a lot and drink a lot and enjoy everything that it has to offer. Thanks for the hospitality when I was there and thanks for being on the show this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Our honor. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. So where have you been recently that has blown you away with beer and food and what's a pairing that sticks out in your mind? Let me know. You can email me. It's John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L -L, at beeredge.com 
or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Don't forget to check out BeerEdge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and Defend Pilsner merch, and you can follow along on social medias at The Beer Edge. Of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search, and on Twitter and Instagram, we're at TWRaukBeer. We're able to bring in this show each week, thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com. And also be sure to check out Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code CRAFTBEER15 for 15% off of your first order. We're also brought to you by NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers, whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. As always, a reminder to check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for this show, Nate Schwaber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.